Uh, all right. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Tips Not Included, uh, where we talk all things hospitality. I'm your host, Giovanni. Today we have Ruben, my man, uh, one of my fellow flatmates. Yes. One okay. of my very good friends in Wellington. And a bartender at the... Havana Bar. Havana Bar, yes, yeah, yes. Havana Bar restaurant. Yeah. Is it a landmark at this point? I mean, 17 years, going strong, baby. Wait, hold up, listen to this. Oh, look at that. <laughs> That's a way to start an episode. Breakfast of Champions. Breakfast of Champions. Yeah, it's been going 17 years now, eh? So it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. It's, it's, I, think I guess it's pretty like, long-standing at this point. I mean, not many places stay open for you know almost 20 years in Wellington. Oh, so it's, it's pretty geez. good. That's an accomplishment regardless of the city and where in the world. Way. Yeah, damn. So it's, uh, it's something that, you know, they definitely should be proud of. For sure. It started off kind of quite um, quite different. So it was much more of like a kind of dive bar for the, the owner and his friends and that. And then now it's kind of like a bit fancier. You know, we got some fucking fantastic chef running the show, making some amazing like tapas style food and things like that. Cheers, Emily. No worries. Anytime. Mm. It's cool that you say that because, mm. so I got to Wellington about seven and a half months ago. Mm. And when I first got here... I knew about Havana because I did my research yeah. in terms of uh, kind of looking at places you want to look at and whatnot. Yeah. yeah, but throughout this whole experience, I'm thinking, okay, Havana coffee. So they just kind of yeah. have a coffee shop and they have some food. Yeah, yeah. And then two, three months in, I'm still haven't really. I, I I haven't been to Havana bar or Havana coffee shop, and yeah, I'm yeah. I'm still assuming it's just this place that I'm gonna check out at some point. Mm. So when I finally like pass by the coffee shop, I find out that. It's not a bar, it's just a coffee shop. Yeah. And yeah, I was extremely confused. It's, it's kind of, it is real fucking confusing. We still get people coming by our place being like, occasionally being like, hey, can I get some coffee? We're like, yeah, sure. I'm like, where's the roastery? And we're like, what? <laughs> it's down the road, mate. <laughs> exactly. But the that. idea is that like, the space where Havana is now used to be Havana Roastery. Havana Roastery moved to like, bigger location to like, make more coffee. And for some reason we... And the new owners took over, they decided to keep the name and still be called Havana, but still okay. like Havana Bar. Because it's like little like bungalows, which like, you know, real colorful and vibrant and looks like a little sort of like shack in, you know, Havana, Cuba. You of know, course, yeah. Like, it's, and like, it, it has a perfect look to it. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of incognito, kind of hidden away, yeah. tucked away in a yeah, alley yeah, down yeah. an alleyway. Yeah, so the idea is like once you walk in, it does feel like you're in a different spot. Like you go out back, you know, you just, yeah, there's some buildings, but there's fucking plants everywhere. It's real vibrant, lots of music, lots of like, you know, nice stuff, like posters and like art and stuff everywhere. So you like, you do feel like you're in a spot of summer. Yeah. It's real cool. But um, I, I went there, the first time I ever went there was uh, on a Tinder date. <laughs> As you do. Yeah. Um, it was weird because. I was doing Dry July at the time, so I go in and I get like, I don't know, I think it was a mocktail, I don't remember what I got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, you know, we got two mocktails, it was the weirdest day. Sounds, yeah, fuck. <laughs> Not sure if that's the best way to start a Tinder day, but yeah, and then yeah. we proceeded going with tea afterwards. Nice. Tea's good though. Yeah, I mean, you go to Havana Bar and you get some mocktails and a tea, I don't know. You know, something about the space, you know, like, you know, so long as you're there having a good time, like, we'll, we'll cater to you. We sell mocktails, we sell tea. We did have a good time. You know, we kicked it for about a little bit over an hour, but I don't know, never saw her again, so I guess it didn't work out that yeah. well. <laughs> I mean, you, you learn we're not, we're not, we're not doing magic, mate, you know? Yeah, fair. I get it. Yeah. I get it. No, so, like, so I was one of those ignorant people who ended up going to actually Havana coffee shop and yeah, thinking yeah. like, where's the bar? And yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay, well, I guess this is not what I was expecting. It's not the same. I mean, we like, we, we do pair, like, obviously Havana coffee, 
Havana Coffee is separate, and so separate owners, everything, and they've, they've been bought out now by I think Lion or something to drink. So it's all yeah. totally separate. But we do sell like their coffee at our at our bar. Like people order a coffee or espresso martini, or whatever. Like we use. I mean, why not? It's good quality coffee. It's good quality coffee. It's got the name. You've got the representation. Like they make Cuban coffee, of course, like from Cuba. So we we use that one, you know, to try and you know showcase. And, and by the way, guys, Havana Coffee at a store nearby. Yeah, <laughs> get in. <laughs> We're drinking Paradox Red IPA. It's very tasty. <laughs> Name dropping, right? Yeah, no. Name dropping, mate. So, okay. So, from what I understand... Shout out to Philippe. <laughs> <laughs> As well, bro. Um, Havana Coffee started where Havana Bar is at in terms of location. As far as I know, yeah. And was Havana Bar originally Midnight Espresso? No, 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 no. That, the Midnight Espresso was, I think, owned by the same guys as Havana Coffee or like okay. something like that. They knew each other. I don't really know. This is, this is a long time ago. This is before I was like, would have been like five or six at this point. And um, so I think Havana, uh, Midnight Espresso and Havana Coffee are related or owned by the same people or owned by friends. But Midnight Espresso and Havana Bar have never, as far as I know, been in contact with each other okay. other than long time establishments in Wellington on Cuba Street, you know. Nearby. Okay. As far as I know, that we've never had any relation with Midnight Espresso. And there's Fidel's. Fidel's is owned by Havana Bar. Okay. So, so there is a connection there. Fidel's is owned by the same people. Yeah. So that the guys that own uh, Havana Bar, like um, Jorge and Roger, they own Fidel's and Havana. Uh, they own Brothers. They call it just call it Brothers now. It's Brothers like cold press juices and stuff like that. They've got a little like a kind of, kind of little cafe thing, but it's mostly just like juices, bakehouse like. And they, they do all like, the juices and the, the lots of the baking for Fidel's, and they give us some juice too, but we don't sell it because no one wants to come to Havana Bar for juice. <laughs> like, I mean, I would. Apparently, I went in for Marcos and Teas. So yeah, 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 I suppose. Hey, you know, we've got a select clientele, you know, dry July sell out. Like. Hey, I didn't sell out, bro. Mm. Look, I was, No, I mean, like, like, you know, that's the only time we ever sell out juices. It's like, oh, July, 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 July. <laughs> I was like, I wasn't selling out. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, 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 and I, I got into dry July for a good reason. Um, it's good. It's good to have a break once in a while. Though. I did actually six weeks. I started a week before July. I mean, you sound tell me this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, to kind of like uh, get into it, just kind of get exactly. into the habit. Yeah. And I, once it was done, I was like, I like it. I'm gonna keep it going, and I went for an extra week. Yeah, yeah. Before I finally, I didn't crack. I was forced into submission. <laughs> so you know, held down and, and had alcohol poured down your throat. Ah, uh, almost, almost. You know, yeah. it was basically a. It was a look, and there was two shots of tequila. Yeah. And we were at uh, at Caroline at the bars after a shift, and my manager's looking at me like, you know, you're not leaving without taking that no, shot. You, you yeah, have no you excuse. Know. Yeah. I am gonna force you, and then it's like, and then six shots later. <laughs> yeah. There you are. And yeah, yeah. That that was that was that was it. That was the night that my life changed again. Mm. <laughs> I was reborn, reintroduced to back to booze. Well, I mean, you can empathize, bro. You're a bartender at Havana Bar, of course. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I in the short time that I've known you, I don't know you to be a very heavy drinker. Nah, not really. But if I can say myself, like, I don't think that anybody in the industry considers themselves a heavy drinker. We just kind of like... I'm sure, there, I'm sure there are some who do. They are heavy I know, drinkers. I know, there are, I know there are heavy drinkers about, but... I mean, you know, I think... But are we talking about outliers or are we talking about, like... Because a lot of people in hospitality, including the bar scene, are heavy yeah. drinkers. We just don't classify ourselves as heavy drinkers. We just think it's like, yeah, it's normal. I just drink every day because, yeah, I just stare. And I guess that's it, right? Like, when everyone... 
like what is the not what is a normal drinker then because we're all we all drink but we drink with within relation or we describe ourselves in relation to other bartenders who yes. all drink a lot too so then the normal becomes well skewed to the heavy side of the exactly it's, that's what's common to you exactly right so like and so then the heavy drinker in our scene would be someone who drinks and get drunk like every night on the regular yeah on the regular on the shift after the shift comes in hungover like that's a heavy drinker yeah to most people what we do having a few beers every day getting drunk two three times a week that's probably real heavy drinking <laughs> but <laughs> to when, all your friends, when all your friends were at hospital and everyone's drinking like it doesn't seem unusual so you don't think of it as being heavy because it's just it's the normal that's a that's the average. it's the lifestyle Exactly, it's the lifestyle. You know, yeah. you're working in hospital, you're drinking a lot, you're around there, you get given free shit all the time. You know, yeah, it's just it's a, you, you have access to so much alcohol mm. that you either don't have to pay for, and if and when you do, it comes with a hospital discount. Yeah. Oh, well, look it's at cheaper that! And it, also, it's with your friends, and it's like yeah, you know, it's just the camaraderie that comes like that comes with being around the people that you work with, which eventually, to me, I mean, I can't speak for you, but. I feel like everybody in hospitality spends so much time around their coworkers that they kind of become like this kind of family yeah, environment. Yeah, I mean, they, they talk about hospital family all the time. Like, it's, you know, it's almost a cliche at this point. Like, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's just regardless of what part of the world you're in, it's just hospital is like kind of like a big family that they're yet to know each other. Kind yeah, of like, there's um, it's like the imagined community of, of hospitality. You know, where you don't know these people. They're all imagined to you. You don't know them. You never met them. But... You trust them. You trust them. You've got this kind of understanding of like, no, we are a community and you align with that community and part of that is drinking and supporting each other and, you know, doing shots of Fernet. And, <laughs> and, you know, it's just like, it's just part of that. It's just part of how you do it. It's part of how you be a hospital member. Part of how you do bartending. It's like, you know. It's a culture. Well, it's it's an unspoken culture. Kind of like... Wow, it's got spoken, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're talking about it. Like, Fair. We've got a yeah. podcast about it, man. Come on. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean... The, uh, yes, I am. I, I I do have a platform where I, where I want to shed some light into the lifestyle of it, into the yeah. stories, into the people that are behind everything that goes about this industry, mm-hmm. for sure. It's a big industry, but it's not like outside of hospitality, people don't talk about the hospital lifestyle. I mean, unless you've been in it and you understand it, and a lot of people kind of like yeah. either grow out of hospitality or they see their way out of hospitality because yeah. they have other goals and other types of ambitions, and mm-hmm. that's understandable. But a lot of people see this as a transitional period in their life. Yeah, something they do while they're a student or, you know, like, just getting by until they figure out what they're doing with their life. I'm using air quotes there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. You know, like... It's, yeah, it yeah. kind of like hospitality comes with this stigma. Whereas in, you know, you, you, you embrace the time that you're in it because the people around you and the way it flows, it feels so wholesome in a way I don't I don't yeah. know if that's the right word I know what you mean eh? like you, you know you feel like you're, you're part of a community that's very loving and like often quite supportive and, and friendly but yeah there's also downsides as well so I can see why some people have yeah. a negative attitude too like, yeah yeah, of course I mean the type of lifestyle that comes with it you know like you know you mm. you, you work late nights you stay up till really late you go to bed mm. you know sun's coming up you have yeah. alcohol you get drunk two or three times a week mm. You know, you just two lines on your birthday. And like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, amongst other things. <laughs> you know, you have a real good time on a constant basis. It's about hospitality, man. Yeah, to each other. Yeah, have a good time. Yeah, yeah. of course. You know, but that's 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 the thing that I find very interesting because I I went to school for hospitality. I I got a degree in it. You know, I, I bounce around a little bit, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I have a 
you know. Uh, yeah. I spend years studying. Studying. Yeah. What makes up hospitality, and I, at times, I saw myself in it for long term. At, at times, I saw myself as something that's just gonna be in my life for a certain period of time and see where I go afterwards. Mm-hmm. But then, as the years went by, and I started kind of like just really immersing myself in the in in the, in the workforce and the field, I'm just kind of like understanding that there's much more than just getting by with this industry. There's a certain mm-hmm craftsmanship behind every aspect of it from yeah. the bar scene in terms like as a bartender you have your skills that you try to hone yeah yeah for sure there are fucking mess amount of skills and then the more I, I like when I started in hospital I was happy just being in industry for three years in some restaurant it was fucking fun I was like 17 when I started or 16 I think even yeah and just you know washing dishes listening to music totally happy and then as I progressed I was like no nah, I want to do more front of house do more bartending as I got more into the cocktail, like bartending side, like man, like a whole world opens up. Like I go to see, you know, everyone has their own little area. You know, there's massive amounts you can into in wine, there's massive amounts you can into in beer, cocktails as well. It's its own little world. Like from, you know, how you hold the shaker and how long you shake it to what kind of ice you use to what kind of bitters and how many dash it. Like it's a thousand and one different things that you can like keep refining and keep improving on. And like if you go full, you know, hit, hit up. You know, head first. Like it's a whole apprenticeship. It's a whole degree right there, man. You can spend seven years before you become like a, you know, a master, like trying to world class bartender. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. or you could have that confidence. Like, mm. yeah, I mean, like if and, and even around us, we see people three, four, five years ago when they started bar backing, when they when they yeah. first got their that bar job, and they're like, shit, you know, maybe I could try to do this for a bit, mm. and then they start. You know, they, they start transitioning and they start learning and growing and then they start in this rinky dinkly bar and all of a sudden like three or four years on the road now they just kinda get hired into that cocktail bar. And to them that's not like that's not them getting to the top. To them is that having an opportunity to learn from the who yeah. they consider the best within their yeah, field yeah, and sure. yeah. you know, and I'm like, All right, this is the start of something good and then you yeah. see them there for another couple of years, they master their skills, they learn mm. that classic aspects of cocktail making and bartending and some sorts of you know, having your hands a little bit of mixology, mm. and now you start seeing and understanding the the magnitude of this and the artistry that that yeah. comes with it. And it's massive, but often like it's not, it's often not recognized because, literally, like most people don't want to pay for some of the fucking amazing drinks that you can get from you know really really good bartenders because you know you pay a bit more. But also like it's pretty easy just to learn how to make a daiquiri, right? You put a few drinks in a glass in a shaker. You put ice in it, you shake it, pour it out. Strain it. Strain it. You know, you can you can learn that in an afternoon, yeah. which is fine. And it's great. And I love that, that it's approachable like that. Yeah, maybe the hardest thing would be the shake. That's, I think, the most complicated thing. Just right, the shake, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know, there's a few little tips and tricks in there that can make a perfect daiquiri versus a good daiquiri versus, mm-hmm. you know, one that's acceptable to someone, you know, soccer mom on a Sunday afternoon or whatever. But, like, it becomes... It's, then it's about educating people about like, well, yeah, like that's a good drink, but we've been doing this for years and years to be able to make you a thousand drinks like that that are all perfect, that are all the same, and then do creative ones, and then do this ones and that ones, and often like the gap there is not recognized yeah. by a lot of people between, you know, your average Joe bartender who's going to make you a tasty drink, and some of those gaps who are, you know, like full-time career you bartenders, know, bartenders yeah. who are going to make you on know, cocktail bartenders who are going to make you the best drinks you like yeah and a lot and the research and the you know trial and error that goes behind it and the passion man fuck the passion yeah 
You know, amazing. you go it's out amazing. of your way, you read books, you read recipes, mm-hmm. you buy ingredients, you buy botanicals, yeah. you buy all these things, you try it out, you take the time out, you practice, mm-hmm. you try it. No, that doesn't work. How about this? And you try and push the field further as well, which I think is the, the amazing thing. All these bartenders, you know, they're not just kind of trying to learn, they're trying to grow their own field and try and, you know, challenge what, you know, is usually done to try and make it all better and see like, you know, can we use more native ingredients? Can we do it this way can we make a better drink if we do it this way you know why is that the best method what if we do it this way <laughs> and um i think that's really cool too because that's like that's what i love too you know i was trying to like make no you better. you definitely you definitely hit the no head and, and then including like you know especially when you use like local ingredients or you yeah. collaborate with local you know products that are like you know say havana coffee for example mm-hmm. collaborate with them or you can collaborate with any other you know, locally made spirit to kind of like promote local use. So it's kind of like an interesting way of how you can go about different things. Mm-hmm. It's interesting seeing that sort of develop in Wellington a lot, which is a very low, you know, sort of communal city. And like the Wellington hospital scene is really tight and close knit and stuff. You are seeing a few bartenders trying to get into that more, trying to use sort of more locally sourced ingredients and, and things like that. But it's, it's damn hard to do it here because, you know, New Zealand's spirits and stuff are, so expensive <laughs> like you know we don't yeah. have the same access to like you know like you know obviously a lot of the stuff that is made is popular in cocktails is from Italy and uh, France and America and stuff like that so it can be quite hard to kind of and and the reason of this is because those spirits tend to be a little bit more affordable yeah yeah like okay. you know I mean well affordable or existent <laughs> like yeah you, you can't get New Zealand air parole Fair, yeah. You it's yeah, Italy or none. We've got a little bit of, you know, New Zealand gin, but for the most part, it's either garbage or damn expensive, you know? And I, yeah. it's, it's kind of, you know, you go to just about every single bar in town and the house gin is always British. Even though it, you have to pay to ship it from literally the other side of the world, it's still cheaper than buying it from the gin company. And then literally have... down the road, which is weird. There are like two or three gin companies now in Wellington, but they're all too expensive to you know, have is like, you know, a yeah, there's, there's you know, like, two gin distilleries in yeah. Wellington within 10 minute walk from each other. Yeah. Right off of Cuba street. Yeah. So there is definitely gin made here and it's very good gin, you know, exactly. But like, it's great, but like, it's, it's really expensive. And at the just, end of the day, a restaurant is a business and yeah. they need to have a profit and yeah. that's just the way it is. So how can you have like, try and push, you know, locally sourced products if all your cocktails cost 20 plus dollars? Like, man, like that's that's a that's a tough margin. Like, yeah, you know, not every place is going to be able to do that. You're you're basically you're taking your market and you're reducing it. You're mm. you're cutting it dry. But yeah. you know, if you utilize local products because they're so expensive, so that means that your formula for pricing your cocktails has to change, mm. and you're probably asking the people to pay more money for the cocktails that are already, you know, at a very high clip. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's. it's Struggle to get people to pay, you know, sixteen, eighteen dollars for a cocktail. So it's an hour's work. The work, man. Yeah, it's you know, it's an expensive city. You know, people paying lots to live here. You know, fuck, like they can't be dropping that kind of money every night, which is what you need. And you know, and do you think that local spirits are expensive because of the taxes, or do you think it's expensive because of the like the cost of like producing a business and making like a spirit here and like what goes behind it and a combination of stuff? I assume. I mean, you know, you're talking about. Gin companies in Wellington that are in town, 
man, like that's some prime real estate right there. <laughs> like you're paying a lot for that kind of place, man. Like that, you know, that's gonna jack up your your overheads, you know. Then you've got like water and yeah, obviously just like living in Wellington is expensive, you know, in terms of you know cost of electricity and and you know all these kind of things. So that's just gonna jack up prices right there. And then there's scale too, like you know, Tanqueray can make how many thousands of liters of gin yeah. you know they can like, sell at a lower price yeah exactly they can yeah they've, they've got that they've got to afford that they're well, a business but New Zealand you know we're a small country we've got a small population you know just like five million like you know like that's gonna that's gonna really change like how you how you structure a business because you're not gonna have something which is so big that it's gonna yeah. take over the market you know so it's, it's pretty hard to, to do that and interesting I, I wonder if there's a way, or I'm sure there's people who have tried or who have tried to go about it in different ways, like how to support the local market, mm-hmm. local local produce, local spirits, local distillers and creators to be able to, you know, just... You, you try and do it where you can. So like all our beers almost come from New Zealand because we've got such a great beer culture here. All our tap beers, you know, we've got, you know, Corona and stuff, obviously, but like you know yeah, you want to go with the with the vibe you know it's Havana so you try to keep it at least Latin well we want we, you know you need to have like some Heineken and Corona and Asahi for you know your local Joe just wants a nice lager when he, you mm-hmm. know, hot day you know when he finishes work but for the most part you know we try and sell local craft beers like most well we I don't do the wine list but about half our wines you know are Kiwi and then you know we've got a few others as you should you have great product here you know great wines great craft beer yeah, you know, great produce, great spirits. I guess the thing is, like, I'm coming from a cocktail bartender, and it can be quite hard to so many classic cocktails are, you know, American or you know, there's like European, you know, French things like this, you know, Cuban as well, Caribbean, so, yeah. Caribbean, yeah, exactly. So that's where a lot of the products come from, and so it's quite hard to create classic cocktails without those ingredients. So if you're trying to be, you know, as locally sourced as possible, you know, that's where you have to kind of draw the line and just say. Yeah, you can't keep it classy without, or... Yeah, can't have a bar without, you know, some, you know, Italian Amaros and some, you know... Yeah, I mean, if I ask you for an Aperol like, Spritz, I'm asking you for an Aperol Spritz. Exactly, so, right, you know, like, the Spritz in the name. Yeah. So there's nothing you can do about it, you know. Same mm-hmm. thing goes with mojitos, you know. If you get a mojito, yeah, we need... Yeah. I mean, you know, there are New Zealand white rums now, you know, which you can use that are pretty damn tasty. And we've got New Zealand whiskeys and we've got... You know New Zealand gins, so there is that. But again, because they are expensive, you can't just be smashing out you know ten dollar mojitos, which is you know a deal that we do when we have bands on on, on Friday Saturdays mm, at Havana right. Bar. <laughs> you know, like so you you know you have to kind of just measure that you know those those costs and kind of and eventually you know like that's a reality within the hospitality industry. That's a reality yeah. as a restaurant owner. That's a reality as a bartender where yeah. you know the the pricing is limits your experience and, and and the opportunities of what you can do behind the bar and as a creative and as a business owner makes it a challenge for you know if you're trying to be as sustainable as possible because you know that and support local product at the same time right exactly but it's the, it's a challenge because ninety percent of your product is going to come from overseas and then you are willingly or not contributing towards you know emissions through airplanes and, and things like that it's like that's just how it is like it's, it's crazy pretty right? Affordable, right like yeah that's just you want to support your the local industry and you want to like you know try to be all in kiwi style in this case because we are in new zealand so yeah, you exactly. know and we are very you know we, we like to support new zealand here you know we're very passionate about that and stuff yeah the quality of product that you guys get here is pretty high yeah, absolutely. so why not support it and especially like in in a field where you have you know, the product hands-on to be able to create. Yeah, 
you know, and that, yeah. that creation comes with different experiences depending on the bartender, depending on the mixologist, depending on the restaurant owner, bar owner. You know, he'll take, he or she will take their experiences from whatever they did in their life beforehand and they'll mm. implement it into the product and the, right. and the creation that they're doing. And then you want to try to utilize all these local products, mm. you know, to try to like make your creation, but... Yeah, exactly. But it's, you know, it's expensive and like, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's tough. Do you, do you see it changing? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. At some point? I mean, you know, when I was like young bartender three years ago, <laughs> like, like there just wasn't the same, there even, yeah, like even three years ago, there wasn't the same, there wasn't, there weren't any gender stories in my now there's they two. Now, there's, now, there, now there's two. There weren't, uh, you know, there wasn't whiskey and, and stuff coming out of, you know, Katrona. And there wasn't, like, these rums that, you know, you're seeing. And, like, there's just, there's been so much, such an explosion in the past five years of spirits being made and stuff like that, of people trying to produce stuff. I think I, I heard talk of some guy trying to make sort of the equivalent of, you know, New Zealand tequila or maybe Rysia. Would be mezcal. Or no. Rysia, right? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so it was just, like, yeah, people trying to just get agave and make their own spirits in New Zealand, which is, you know, crazy, but, like, it's really cool, you know, the kind of, like, innovativeness and stuff, but... And they are you know, I, I, think, I think that as, you know, that market builds, then demand increases, and we can, you know, start making a profit on, you know, New Zealand ingredients, and I think that's going to be a huge step towards, sort of, creating more sustainable businesses as sourcing locally, where, you know, the, you know... You know, causing so much damage to the environment through you know sending stuff by planes all the time and stuff. Yeah, you know, it's like it's so much better if you can just send well, it locally. Where you know you can. Yeah. That's a word. That's a way that politics it, it's actually becomes part of the equation. Yeah. And yeah, you know, sure. it, Texas, exactly. Yeah, like it, it's it's a way that you can, you can even look at it as you know there's so many pros to supporting your local product. You know, and you know yeah. allowing these products to be maybe lower tax or maybe lowering the tax for certain, you know, spirits. It's kind of weird because not everybody's going to agree. Not everybody yeah. sees it the same way. But you have to also understand the reciprocal effects that it has on, yeah. you know, on global warming, on the quality of life in terms of the local economy, on, mm-hmm. the, on, the, on the culture within the distilleries here in Wellington and, and, and New Zealand as a whole and how it promotes, you know, young entrepreneurs to grow and create this market where it's self-sustainable if we just allow it to grow without those limitations that the country itself puts over it. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then that's a vision that they need to kind of like hopefully understand and see. Yeah. yeah that yeah. maybe politicians or certain kind of more conservative type of people mm-hmm. won't see. It's tough, man, because, you know, hospitality always gets sort of relegated, you know, in politics. Like, you know, no one's trying to like push for, you know, hospo people to buy local spirits and stuff you know like that's just not a conversation that's that's occurring but as sustainability becomes more of, of the norm and and you know if our government gets around to you know recognizing the, the climate emergency that that's occurring then hopefully you will get more support for local businesses because they recognize that importing stuff is not working yeah in terms of sustainability that we need to be to, to be sustainable is to you know your own like it's quite interesting because you're basically saying that by not supporting your local product as strong as you should you're basically leaving more fingerprints or footprints within 
you know, global yeah. warming. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like it's attached to it. In that's, a way that's, that's, I mean, that's one of the major gripes with, because, you know, obviously I, I'm a big environmentalist and I'd like to support that, but hospitality is not a sustainable business. Like, it's, you know, like so much of this stuff is, there's so much food waste, there's so much drink waste, there's so much lack of recycling lack because of recycling like you know like and businesses are really trying that like, you've got like what is that like high water I think is you know yeah. really trying to be pushing sustainability but they still sell Campari and Aperol because they have to and they get limes from imported because they have to but, and they get you know uh, and that contributes towards their carbon footprint and they're doing so much to reduce that as you know I think a lot of people nowadays are but almost because the consumers demand certain things that we are required to supply to stay open in hospitality, that that you know footprint, that you know uh, carbon footprint increases. I, dude, I mean, piggybacking on what you're saying, I mean, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. From what I understand, most or all recycling plants in New Zealand are privately owned. I, I have no idea. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think so. I, from what I know, that recycling here is pretty, pretty awful. So for a restaurant to recycle, they need to pay. That's just I think so, yeah. The, there's, so, yeah. The, there's, there's, no, there's no free recycling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from what I understand is most restaurants don't recycle because it's an extra overhead expense. It's yeah. an extra addition to, you know, yeah. If basically... What, if, what you do, right? Yeah. If, I, I don't know about most. I don't know who's doing recycling I just know all the places I've worked at have but yes that is true that is part of your expenses is recycling which is fucking batshit right? well exactly <laughs> so what happens is that most restaurants because <laughs> it's going on with that because they're trying to limit their expenses they won't recycle yeah because they need to stay open they need yeah. to stay in business like every so, dollar counts in that, actually, yeah. exactly so now what you have is you have all these restaurants that are contributing to the carbon footprint in terms of like mm. you know all these bottles and you know, plastics and containers and all these things that definitely could be recycled, they're not being recycled. Not because of the lack of intention, but because of the lack of financial mm. power in terms of like you want to yeah. like make sure you your business to, you is have to be, You have to be competitive, you know, like that's... And stay in business. <laughs> and stay in business, man, which it's, you know, I can, I can totally respect people who... I, I can't blame someone for wanting to stay in business and you know, like that's just how it is. But it's a shame that it has to come at the cost of, you know, the planet. <laughs> like, that's and that's the crazy thing about it. Fuck. You know, it and, and it's all like and it's all connected. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's crazy, and it's at the end of the day, it, it's quite it's 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 quite interesting how you notice that you know the lack of use towards local produce, local product, the lack of, you know, the laws being in place in a way that not only support what should be done. But the way that affects the hospitality industry and the creation that are before us. Yeah. You know, the, it's just... I don't know, it kind of gets me upset. <laughs> like yeah, life. Absolutely. I mean, there was, a, there was a good conversation about straws, and now straws are banned, and plastic, uh, plastic bags are banned. So you're getting... Like, that coming through in the hospitality industry is changing and accommodating that, and often pushing that conversation as well. I know a lot of bartenders were sort of pushing that no straw thing before customers and stuff you know now we've got you know paper straws and stuff and we don't just give straws away you know you can ask for it and things like that because we want to you know try and improve our you know lower our carbon footprints and be sustainable and be environmentally friendly but it's um it's just a shame that we're sort of our hands are tied uh, so much in this industry 
and I think there needs to be sort of more conversation around how we can have more agency to be more sustainable and what we can do as businesses to still have a good business that stays open and <laughs> makes money for so it can you know support the economy and support you know the community and support its staff but not also destroy the planet at the same time and it's a it's not an easy solution People stay woke. Stay woke. <laughs> no, seriously, <laughs> do text. Because <laughs> if, if you think about it, it, it affects all of us. At the end of the day, how we go about it, and you know, yeah, for sure. Sometimes people, you know, we turn to you know, blind eye and just kind of like ignore and just kind of like get lost in the, in the noise. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. I mean, no, not to say that we have to be fucking David Downs about it all the time. I'm still, still. No, nah, but be be aware of the situation. Be aware of that. You know, where there's an opportunity, you can work to change it and. That's all. That's definitely part of hospitality going forward is making good drinks and you know trying to be sustainable where, where you can. Fair. So it's sort of one of the avenues that you should you know be exploring yeah. business and stuff. So how how does all this like translate into your like daily daily life? Like does like I I know for sure like one thing I can definitely tell you is that because of the amount of time that I've been in this industry and everything that I've done and everything that I've worked in and learned and kind of like taken from it, it's definitely translated into my life in terms yeah. of like, you know, the way I go grocery shopping, yeah. the spirits that I buy, the yeah. way I approach a spirit, the way I yeah. approach a beer. It's like kind of like the, the attention to detail that you have on your own time outside of work and the way you proceed with it when you're at home and the way you cook and the ideas that you think of. Like, you kind of even become a little bit more perfectionist about the quality of product that you have in your own home yeah for sure because I mean, of hospitality has changed so much about my life the way I approach drinking in general the way I approach food because working with amazing chefs man is like going home and making a fucking you know cheese toasty is a different experience like, <laughs> like, you know even that like now I just you know I buy my veggies from the local market you know I started going vegetarian to try and like not eat meat because you know cows burping but um like yeah and just just making nice food because that's sort of what you get used to in hospitality and you just you know you you spoil yourself well I mean well they spoil you because you, you constantly yeah. like there's a new dish they bring you it out you taste it incredible flavours all the time and it's just it becomes part of who you are it's this sort of you develop a palate it develop a palate but it comes this sort of aspiration of like constantly striving for good taste and good flavour and stuff in drink and food and environment too just in terms of like how you set up your room and the living room and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, we live together. We know what it's like. Man. Yeah, how do you treat your guests, bro? Yeah, man, for sure. Like, it's part of it. Like, someone new, someone new comes to the house and you're like, you want to make sure that your house is going to be nice for that person because... Yeah, you, you come know, out, not, you start glasses stack, bro. Exactly. You bring that. Yeah, like, man, like, the hospitality identity, like, it's not like a, you know, a coat that you take off at the end of the day. Like, you're always wearing it, you know, like, and obviously, you know, to various degrees, but for the most part, like someone comes to your house, you want to be hospitable, you know. And it's like, oh, for sure, it's one of those yeah. things that, that that, and that's why they say it's, it's a full-on mm-hmm. lifestyle. It's not only a job. In the same way that I take my hospitality persona outside of that, in terms of the way I interact with people, even and talk to them and stuff, and be nice and hospitable and smiley and and lovely and you know, but also in the same way I take my other life to hospitality, and that's why, like you know, I, I want to you know do more for the environment, and in the same way I take that to work and I try and make drinks that use local ingredients and use ingredients that are in season just mm-hmm. one because they generally taste nicer and yeah, two it's a better because flavor. like you know you don't you know want to be using frozen ingredients that you know have been imported and stuff like that so like you know it's all kind of blends together um, for sure for sure for sure 
That, and that's the cool thing about it. Like, you know, one of those things where you, you start growing and even as you see yourself out of hospitality in terms of like your day-to-day work and what, you know, how you, how you pay your rent, basically how you yeah. get them dollars. I, exactly, man. Like, yeah. Yeah, once you're out of hospitality in terms of job-wise, you still take all that with you. I still, I still, well, I mean, like I'm doing my master's right now and I want to be getting more into academia just I think you know maybe do a PhD after this maybe go into university like I don't, I don't know what's going on but eventually like I know the hospital is not the career for me like it's not where I want to do full time it's just just doesn't work for me you know it's not my passion but I know that I still love working in hospital and I'm still going to work in hospital for the you know, near future and even when I don't work in hospital I'm still going to be drinking cocktails in bars and I'm still going to have you know probably cocktail equipment at home and going to be drinking nice wines and decent beers and going to be like talking to people and enjoying the scene because and having fun when you cook so, you? and having fun when I cook man like that's such a big part of it too like just thinking about the, like, the, the, just having that in my mind when I'm living my day to day life is never going to go away because it sort of becomes part of you especially when you've been doing it for you know however many years like no, it's crazy and then it, it's also just a great lifestyle I think I just really love it like I think it was um it was a, it's gone way back to old, old Greece, but it was a guy, Epicurus, was talking about um, the, the pursuit of life, you know, like a good life should be the pursuit of happiness. Of course. And that we should live for happiness, but he didn't define, then it came down to how do you define happiness? How do you become happy? And he defined it as like, you need good friends, good food, and like, what was it, like a nice space or something like that, I can't remember. Okay. It was like the Epicurean, it was like the Epicurean <laughs> lifestyle. It was like it wasn't about money. It wasn't about being wealthy or having power or something. It was just about like friends, family, nicely. friends, family, food. <laughs> and that like I don't know. Like obviously, I think it life's a lot more complicated than that. And Epicurus was writing, you know, thousands of years ago. So you know, it's a, life was a little bit more simple back then. It was like <laughs> you know, philosophy has moved on a bit. But I think at its heart, like that's that's a it's a lifestyle that I can get behind. And I think. You know, I try and stay humble and just always, you know, think about I want to be eating nice, healthy food and I want to be drinking nice, tasty drinks and I want to be hanging out with friends. And whether I work in hospital or not, that's those things are still a big part of that lifestyle is that like hospitality kind of is really all about that. It's about. Yeah, of course. I mean, and it's uh, hospitality reflects mm. a culture. You know, and, yeah. and it's a very symbolic of what that family culture is, but without it being with the actual family members, which is quite weird. Yeah, it's kind of So it's partly why you get so many foreigners, you know, being able to travel with hospitality and do it all over the world, you know, and it's, you know, half our bars, you know, British. Because you can, you can start a family anyway. Yeah, and it's, 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 you can, you can understand each other. Where yeah. you're coming from, you know, the dynamic of the job is pretty much the same regardless of where it's at and the location of it. You know, it's just so obviously... interaction with customers is different. I think that's the biggest thing, talking to, like, you know, our, our you know, British and then foreign staff is they're saying, like, it's often, like, obviously, you know, there's all the other things, the products and all this nonsense, but it's interactions with customers, that the different assumptions that customers have when they come into a bar is a big part of how you interact with your customers. Because mm-hmm. you want to give your customers a good time. But if what a good time is to that customer is different to what you're used to, that leads to like conflict sometimes. Of course. You know? And so it changes. But it's still like, and that's part of what you're talking about, like the culture thing as well, right? Like, yeah. The customer's culture is different. That's going to be a different experience. I mean, but I, it's, I, at the end of the day, it is about just making that experience the best it can be. 
if you really think about it, at the end of the day, like a customer comes in and he or she, yeah, they're there for the food and drinks, mm. but they're there for the experience. They're there to be entertained, whether it's through yeah. their palate or mm. it's through human contact with yeah. the service staff. Yeah, yeah. Or whether it's the, you know, the music around them, you know, mm. whether it's live or not, just kind of like it's a whole immersive yeah. experience where when you come in and you sit at the bar, I myself, because of the way I'm used to interacting with individuals back in the States, in New York, in mm. Puerto Rico, which is where I predominantly lived, I expect to be entertained. Yeah. And not highly entertained, just engage, embrace. If yeah. I don't want to engage with the bartender as much, then, you know, I usually see my way out of it. Yeah. And we most do. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I I expect that kind of like bartender comes over, you know, talks to me for a bit, you yeah. know, you know, small talk, you know, what yeah. am I in the mood for drinking? I usually ask questions. I like it. I want to know about, you know, what's going on in the cocktail menu, what's going on in terms of spirits, anything different, anything cool, anything he recommends, anything he wants to push. I always check out the cocktail list, the craft beer list, and just kind of like, I, I want to immerse myself in what they got and, mm. and, and the curation of their items and how they, you know, how they put into the menu and how it mm. goes with the items of food that they sell. So I always like engaging in conversation. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I mean I'm a big part of that too. Like, well, when I feel like it, you know, sometimes <laughs> I just want to go get drunk and, I don't know, chat to a friend or read a book or whatever. But like, often when I go to a bar and like, you know, if I'm getting like a glass of wine with my meal or something, like, you know, you want to know a bit about the glass of wine or you want to, you know, like if you're ordering a cocktail, like, like, Especially from like a menu, you know, like if you're ordering a classic, you're ordering a classic. You should yeah, of course, you don't need to. But if you're ordering from a menu, you're like, oh, cool, like tell me about this one. Like, you know, maybe you don't know an ingredient or you want to know, like, oh, this, you know, it's real interesting. Like, what you call it that? Yeah, especially. Part of this big part of hospital, man, is like knowledge, like learning more and like having. I think that's why, that's why I like it so much is that there's always more to learn. Hmm. And that's just so fascinating to me. The idea you can go somewhere and it's, it's a new experience and there's always more. And even if you go to the same place you've been to 10 times, like you might still learn a bit more about. A particular wine region or a particular cocktail that you haven't tried before and like that's just that's just so much fun to me <laughs> that's oh, just so much dude fun. no that especially with most like most restaurants are seasonal mm-hmm. so what happens is like every three months yeah. or every four months they'll change the menu up and they're like they'll have a summer menu they'll have a spring menu winter menu or you know they'll change yeah. it up using like you said yeah in season ingredients local ingredients so yeah. kind of like every time you go back even if you're regular every time you go back you're like oh shit they got new items on the menu they got new stuff that came up new cocktails mm-hmm. to match with it set of new wines yeah yeah and it's like you know like let's go at it bro let's yeah, you know yeah, yeah. absolutely man yeah for sure that's uh that's such a fun part of it so that's what i try to do too because i like you know, said buy my veggies from like the local sunday market like what they've got they've got you know, if it's in season, they've got it. If it's mm-hmm. not, probably don't have it unless, you know, it's like imported stuff. Which means that sort of like, unless I go out of my way for something, I mean, you know, you end up just sort of buying seasonally just because you're forced to. You know? Yeah, like, fair. Yeah, whereas... And it's like, yeah. And then it's just, it's it's really fun, I think. There's part of it too. It's just like learning too because you, you're kind of forced to just adapt. And like, yes. Do you're forced to be creative. You're, you're forced, forced to, to be creative. You have a limited list of items that you can utilize to make a mm. dish or numerous dishes, and mm. you have to think outside the box. And that's really cool to me, too, because I don't think of myself as a very creative person, but some of the things that people create, man, with cocktails and food, like, my God, it's fucking mind-blowing. Dude. It's so amazing. You know what I love about it? I love the fact that not only you might utilize the same ingredient, but how you use that same ingredient, totally how you cook it, how you prepare it, how you go about it, yeah. changes... The, not so much the quality, but like the the texture, yeah. the flavor, the 
the visual like aspect of it. It's like we were talking about earlier when like, you know, everything from like the colour of the, the plate you're eating yes. off to like, the sound of the, the music you're listening to, to, you know, the room, everything that, that changes, man. And like really good hospitality will cater for that and they'll make the space good and the music good and the f- look good and everything, will, the smell, the, you know, really good cocktails, man. Like, you want to make it look nice, you know. You don't. You want it to be. Maybe you want presentation is is extremely important. Exactly, and makes the cocktail taste nicer. People, you know, they oh no, but it's going to taste nicer. No, it doesn't. If it looks nicer, it's going to taste nicer. You want it to, you know, look good. You want it to smell good. You want the aroma. That's why we have like garnishes, is so that when you you know take a sip, the aroma goes through your nose and you get more flavor. Like every every part of it, like influences how you enjoy that experience, and and ultimately big part of hospital is just about you know why we get paid is to make you have a good experience of course it's 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 crazy you know the artistry that goes in and it's just in every detail in every aspect like the artistry behind mm. distilleries and making spirits the artistry yeah. behind mixology the artistry yeah. behind cocktail making the artistry that's, that's the thing man is that like you can list things off till you know you run out of hands and like fingers and toes like there's yeah. just so many like little different worlds that you can just explore 100% you know, like, and, you know, unless you kind of go 100%, like, cocktail, hospitality is about all those different things combined, and you can have, I don't know, you can have people who just spend their entire lives on just one of those things, you know, from bread to beer to wine to cocktails to coffee. just fermenting things to coffee, which is one of the second largest, you know, industries in the world. Like, it's massive. It's, like, and that's, that's, that's one important thing. And each thing. one of them is a career on its own, let alone, like, hospitality. And that's what I love about it, because yeah. a lot of, like, you yourself, you don't see yourself in hospitality long term. And that's fine, because you understand what it is that you want to do with your life, and you're on your way to doing it. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of people get stuck in this industry. And I don't mean that necessarily in a bad way, but I do feel like a lot of people, they haven't really looked far beyond serving or far beyond bartending. They kind of, like, yeah. feel like they got to a point where they just kind of came into hospital transitioning, and they just kind of, like, got stuck there and they see no way out. Mm-hmm. Or a lot of people don't even look at hospitality as something that they could do long term. They just see yeah. something as, oh, I'm going to get a job in hospital while I'm in college because... And then I'll figure it out and I'll leave. But Yeah, exactly. They don't give hospitality the opportunity yeah. that it can genuinely offer. Mm-hmm. It There's a variety number, like such a wide number of options that you mm-hmm. can definitely dedicate yourself to and develop and learn and grow and kind of like become part of the field you genuinely have such a broad mm. you know spectrum of things that you can choose from and yeah. you can go from the beverage side to the food side mm. to the administration side yeah you know to, you know event management to you know design and, and you know, yeah. set up and you know restaurant design event management restaurant mm. owner bar owner coffee yeah. owner cafe pastries, baking, Mm. you know, the list goes on and on and on. Yeah. You are constrained by, you know, your situation too, though. Like, in New Zealand, small, you know, like, there's only so much you can do. Generally, like, people come to Wellington because that's where a lot of the stuff is happening. Of course. And if there's no spaces, then, like, it could be tough to expand. It's saturated as well. Saturated market, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the word for it. You know, when you when you when you look at hospitality here and the way it goes about it, it's genuinely saturated. And when you open a restaurant, people think, "Oh, I'm just gonna get these amount of people every week, every night, and I'm gonna get by." Not really. What you're doing is you're taking customers away from somewhere else, mm. and you might not have enough customers to survive yourself, and they won't have enough either. Yeah. So what you're doing is you're taking 
people down with your ship. Yeah. Sometimes when a place is overly saturated and there's too much of something. Yeah. That's, you know. It's tough. And and it's quite interesting because it kind of all comes back to what you said earlier, like you know, the 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 prices being too high and the overheads being too high and trying to get by and trying to be creative. Everybody's trying to look for a way to kind of like stand out. Yeah. You know, and and if, if that means you know sacrificing sustainability, then a lot of people are gonna you know they're gonna make that call. Or local product. Exactly. Which is yeah, like you said, it's where politics comes into it. And we need to sort of trying to <laughs> make a certain sort of stand where we just say like we need it. We need to look to the future more. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm asleep with my fingers crossed tonight and every night moving forward for that. Yeah. yeah, it's not not happening anytime soon. That's for sure. Well, that's a you know what? That's one thing I like about Wellington, though. Um, even though it, 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 it could be slightly saturated because of everybody coming here, because this is where they feel like they can get an opportunity. The number of restaurants that you can check out here, the number of bars, the number of like things that you can explore and like just kind of like enjoy yourself. Like I, ever since I got here, I made a list of restaurants that I want to check out or places to check out, bro. I've mm. barely gotten through half. <laughs> There's so many. Yeah. There's so many. Yeah. They're also good from what I hear, you know. Yeah, like there's them. so many amazing ones, eh? And a lot of them are doing really, really cool things and, you know, trying to be sustainable or trying to, you know, they've got veggie options or they've got this or they're just doing something different and they've just got a cool spot. And it's, it's really cool. It's really cool to have that variety because so many other places don't. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, I, I come from New York and, well, okay. you know, that's a different set of rules. Coming before New York, I was in Puerto Rico, and Puerto Rico, yeah, does have a large yeah. number of great restaurants, but we're highly limited in the type of restaurants that we have. Yeah. We don't have as many international restaurants as you guys who have here in Wellington, yeah. or we don't have a diversity as big as other cities. So kind of like when you get something new, it's quite interesting because not everybody does it authentically. Well, I think being authentic is overrated, but ah, that's just my, that's just my people. Fair. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's about preferences. I get it. But, you know, so I, so, I mean, um, kind of like since, because we're in the subject, I might as well ask you. So if you were to like kind of put together like the perfect date, whether yeah. it's a solo date or a date with somebody and you could kind of put it up there in terms of like, let's go for drinks here, let's have dinner over there, so I get dessert here, nightcap, yeah. like how would you go about it? Like tell me your favorite places that you would definitely go, yeah. like on perfect evening or like what would you eat? Like what's up? It's a good, it's a good time. Uh, it depends. Like, probably like I'm imagining like summer, right? Like that's that's primo. Summer's right around the corner. So right, let's go. Summer's right around the corner. It's, it's primo daytime. You know, it's long nights. It's warm. You know, it's like you know. Um. So I, I, like, I don't know. Like, often it'd be like cool. Maybe before dinner. You know, if you can, if it's gonna be like a long night, you know, you can have like a beer in the sun somewhere. Like you go to Rogan Vagabond, you lay on one of their bean bags. Bean bags. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Or even like headset, but probably wouldn't take a date there. But like you know, a nice like Aperol spritz in the sun, like the deck of Havana. Like okay, like that fucking primo. There's also pop. Right, pop's on for There's also pop. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's a good point actually. Yeah, goes goes someplace like that, like. And just like lounge in the sun or like a nice like shady spot like you know and get like a nice little sort of aperitif cocktail like real sort of summery kind of yeah vibe. I'll put the those guys you know, like, like a nice, nice cold beer or like a, a prosperous or something like that you know like something like that and then you know you go dinner like um 
wherever there's lots of cool places around town depends how much you want to spend you know like olive's pretty olive's pretty amazing if you know you want something like not too pricey but still like real nice time like, where would you go would you go to olive olive's olive's good like, i don't know like i don't really go out to dinner much because i always cook fair but um if you were to go out to dinner if i were to <laughs> depends how much money i wanted to spend eh? olive ortega viva mexico it's a good Ooh, one yeah ortega i haven't been i hear great fish Ortega's amazing yeah 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 Ortega's for sure amazing um, yeah, like one of those spots, you know, like, I tend to, like, if I'm going out, it's going to be, like, a special thing, usually. So it's going to be, like, nice, in which case I want to go to somewhere that I know is, like, primo. Are you having a nightcap or dessert? Definitely having, having a nightcap. Not much of a dessert guy. We're going to go to, uh, we're going to go to, like, Crumpet or Hawthorne. Okay. You know, or Ditch. I love, love going to hang in Ditch. It's a good, good one, too. $12 hospital cocktails. <laughs> How about that? You know, like, little, like flash that little car there. <laughs> press the ladies or whatever, you know. Um, and that's always nice, like one of those little like cocktail bars, which I, you know, I love so much. I know the people there, so I know like dates going well, cool, there's going to be conversation flowing, you know, like it's just, it's just going to be fun. And, cool. you know, you're going to have a you know, bit, time. Bit, you're going to chat to your friends, you're going to like enjoy, you know, you're going to get real good service, you know, you're going to get a real good cocktail. I like, like this thing, we got to pick this up, bro. Yeah. A beanbag, a Rogan Vagabond. Fuck yeah. You know, yeah. a spritzer pop, go out to dinner at Ortega, kick yeah. it at Trump. Amazing. I mean, but obviously like, Nightcaps afterwards? You know, I'm a broke student, man. Like, <laughs> that's like that's like half my week. That's like half a week's wages right there. <laughs> well, dude, what I love about it is that... So I, I like asking that question because when you ask that question to a hospitality individual, the way they yeah. go about answering that question is very detailed. It's very yeah. specific. It's very quality driven if, yeah, you, if you see what I'm sure. saying yeah. you know they don't think so much about like oh let's go here like it's it's very like damn you know what I'm gonna start with they always start off with an aperitivo it's like, kind of like yeah. like ready to go answer yeah. and it's quite interesting because the answers are based on on your experience within hospitality and yeah. what you know sure. should be your proper date experiences yeah. and also what I know like I enjoy it like if I was like doing something like this would be like whoa you know I'd really like it you know aperitivo like you could go to uh, Ombro as well you know and they do oh, like yeah. aperitivo about it. Like, yeah, cool. like they do like four to six and they yeah, kind of exactly. give you a drink with yeah. a little snack yeah. on the side which is pretty dope yeah you know? exactly like so I, you know I did that in Spain a lot you know you get your tapas and it's like fuck like that's just that's how I it's want genius to how I want to eat man as I want to just like you know if I'm gonna go out for dinner like you know I, you know, you have lunch but you're kind of still feeling a little bit peckish around four to six you know like you have lunch and you, you know you want a little snack so it's like man let's go get a drink and like have you know have a little snack and then tide you over you, you, you know you had your appetizer you had your aperitif you know you're real hungry so you're like damn now I'm gonna really enjoy this <laughs> That's... you go somewhere nice you know you get like a nice bottle of wine or some cocktails and you're like you sounds know, like you're a making night. an event like, sounds like you know, a good exactly. I definitely look. If anybody needs to kind of like rewrite this story, check out Ruben <laughs> every Friday, Saturday night. Come say hi. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's, that's when they can find you, right? Friday, Saturdays usually. Friday, Saturday nights. Yeah, yeah. I'll be, uh, be up at uni the rest of the time. So if you wanna, if you wanna see me there, sure. <laughs> In awesome. the library study. But. Dope, dope, dope. Yo, Ruben, so I want to thank you again for being on the show. Thank Thanks you much, for uh, coming in, having a nice chat. It was good talk. Sustainability, yes. local products. I love it, and how hospitals part of lifestyle. Uh, this is your host, Giovanni, keeping it real, tips not included, everything hospitality. Ruben, again, thank you so much, my man. I'll see you around, man. I'll we'll see you do, around. brother. <laughs>